Welcome to Beyond the Body, a podcast for women who aren't afraid to dive deep into who they are, embrace discomfort, and level up their mind, body, and life. I'm your host, Christina Slater. If you've ever struggled with body image, self-worth, or knowing how to take your fitness to the next level, you have come to the right place. We go deeper than just the latest fad diet or trending workout to provide you with the mindset tools to transform your body, upgrade your mind, and reclaim your life. Let's get into it. Hey guys, welcome back to Beyond the Body. I am your host, Christina Slater. And today we are going to be talking about behavior change and I guess why it can be so challenging for a lot of us to change our behavior, even when we know the actions that we're doing are not serving us, they're not in alignment with our goals or who we want to be. And yet we continue to do them. We are also going to talk about fitness shaming and kind of dig into what that looks like from both perspectives as well as self-sabotage. And I mean, at the end of the day, I, I really just hope to provide you guys with some more insights into maybe why you're doing the things you're doing right now and some tips to kind of help you understand how to navigate that. So first off, when it comes to behaviors, any behavior and any decision that we are making, we are choosing to do that behavior for basically one uh, or one of two reasons, either to take us closer to pleasure or to take us away from pain. Now, to demonstrate this, I'm actually going to use an example in my own life, and I'm going to call myself out on some shit. (laughs) And if you're a client or a close friend, you will know about my sleep journey. (laughs) Um, Back when I say back in the day, it wasn't that long ago, really. Unfortunately, it was 2018, 2019, probably at the worst, when I would sleep about two to three, maybe four hours per night consistently. (laughs) I I don't know how I did it. I don't know how I was even as successful mentally and physically as I was with that little amount of sleep. But the reality is my whole life up until this last year, I have severely struggled with sleep. In saying that, I also did not prioritize my sleep. I would basically do with sleep what most people do with their diet is I would be like, okay, I'm going to bed at 8 p.m. and I'm going to wake up at 5 a.m. and I would do it for two days and I would be so exhausted that I wouldn't do it again for a month. And then I'd be like, oh no, I can do it. And then I would do the same thing. And that's what we see in fitness. And that's what we see with diets is people just jumping to these extremes. And then because it would never work, I would just say, I just can't sleep right no matter what I do. I'm just not a morning person. I'm not a night person. Like I just, this is how my life is. But the reality of my situation for a very long time was simply that the pain of not getting enough sleep did not outweigh the pleasure that I got by staying in my comfortable routine of sacrificing sleep of staying up till 5am and then waking up at seven and then being exhausted and then having a nap and then repeating that and basically sleep depriving myself. But that was what I was used to. And because I functioned that way for so long, it was very familiar to my body and trying to change that 
was extremely uncomfortable for myself. And like we talk about at Cut and Conquer and like I talk about to my clients all the time is we don't act out of alignment with our identity. We might be able to pull it off a couple of times, but at the end of the day, we're always going to go back to acting the way that we see ourselves. And I saw myself as someone who simply had always struggled with sleep and would always struggle with sleep. And I truly had no data to support anything otherwise because I had never been successful with it before. And again, you can see those parallels. Maybe you can even see some or think of some in your own life right now where you feel like you are just a certain way or something is just, it's just not for you. You just don't have the ability to do this thing. And the reason why we can believe these things to be almost truth is that we simply don't have any data to determine otherwise. Meaning, and this might sound a bit harsh, but you just might identify as someone who is fat because you've always been fat and you just think that I'm meant to be fat. I'm meant to be overweight. This is how I'm supposed to be. This is how I've always been. I just can't be a fit or thin person. That's just how I am. And maybe it's true. Maybe you've literally been overweight your entire life. And whether you have tried things or not is kind of irrelevant to the point because you still haven't changed, right? So if we think about some of our conscious triggers, we could say, for example, this is a pretty popular one that I've heard as a fitness coach. And it's something along the lines of, well, I was doing really great with my diet. My diet means a lot to me. When I follow my nutrition protocol, I feel really good. But then I go to work and my boss has donuts and my coworkers eating donuts. And I know I don't want to eat the donuts, but I can't say no to the donuts. I just, no matter what I do and how badly I want to change, I always eat the donuts. And typically when a person is in this situation, they truly don't understand why they're eating the donuts. And yes, I mean, there's a lot of variables at play here and everyone is going to be different because for someone on a fitness journey, it might, they might be able to refuse the donuts, no problem. This wouldn't even be an issue. And it might be, for example, a social event and an alcohol at a party or, or something completely different, right? But the concepts still remain the same. So I guess the first thing or one thing to think about in that situation would be you have to acknowledge that if you've never said no to the donuts at work before, that is going to be your default slash autopilot reaction. That's going to be what you're used to. That is going to be what is familiar. So we have even that alone is a challenge to break through because even if you relate it to sleep, no one is like in this situation, no one is pressuring me to sleep or not sleep. It's just me alone in my room for the most part. (laughs) So we're, we're even taking the like peer pressure, I guess you could call it the social pressure out of it. And we're just saying it's a challenge on its own to change our behavior with no other variables other than the fact that we have built a habit and we're acting in alignment. That habit aligns with our identity, right? Now we're adding that pressure of the social environment. There's people at your job that are not even pressuring you, but their presence is there and they're eating the donut. And we, as humans, we like to conform. We like to follow the crowd. We like to fit in. There's nothing, there's really nothing wrong with that. That's the way that we're designed. 
yes, it's always cool to go against the grain and lead, that's what leaders do and all of that's a whole nother conversation. But humans are social creatures. It's human nature to want to fit in. And then we have the added dynamic of your coworker saying, oh, what's wrong with you? Why don't you eat real food with us? Do you think you're better than us? Why are you not eating what we're eating? Oh, you're eating this again? I could never eat meal prep out of a container, right? And that's a whole, that's a a triple decker layer on what we've already got going on. So the important information to have here is the understanding that what other people do and say truly, and this isn't me just trying to tell you what you want to hear, it truly is a reflection of them and not of you because they are obviously making a comment that's triggered by a choice that you made and a choice that has no impact, no impact on their life whatsoever. What you eat does not impact another individual, especially another individual at your workplace. Or even so much, I would argue that it doesn't impact directly your spouse because I've heard this one too. Oh, I can't eat my meal prep because it's not what my kids eat or it's not what my spouse eats or my spouse eats junk food and he makes me eat it. And I mean, I feel you because it's challenging enough to try to understand ourselves and why we do the shit we do, let alone have the space and the capacity to even try to understand why other people do what they do, (laughs) right? So remember, I guess, that another person's judgment or actions or expectations on and of your behavior is completely dependent upon their actions and expectations of themselves and the experience that they have gone through and the limiting beliefs that they hold and the, the beliefs they have about the world. And you will see and experience this all the time if you are on a fitness journey, all the time. No matter what stage you are at, you could be at the very beginning of your fitness journey and you could have, let's say your goal is to lose 200 pounds. Like You are going to experience what we might call fitness shaming. You could be in the, what people might argue is like the peak of your fitness where you're like nice and toned and like building muscle and got this fit physique and you're going to experience it. You could be shredded as fuck getting ready to step on stage tomorrow and you're going to experience it. You're going to get the comments about don't get too skinny and you're going to get the comments about don't get too muscular. That that one, they don't bother me anymore, but that is the one that like, yeah, okay, they do bother me a little bit. (laughs) They do because, oh, you're going to look like a man. Oh, you're building muscle. That's great, but don't overdo it, you know? (laughs) And often people pick out about other people what they don't like about themselves. And that's a harsh truth. And I don't even like admitting that sometimes because I'm going to be very open and and vulnerable and and share something. Like it's not that important, but I've never openly said this before, I don't think, to, to anyone probably. But I had this realization the other day because I've been really trying to become aware of my triggers and my clients' triggers because I'm trying to do both. And in understanding why my clients do the things they do and understanding why I do the things I do, I'm trying to kind of merge the two so I can have just a better understanding of life in general, I guess, right? One of the great things that I love about being a coach is I get to hear about and talk to other people about their experiences and the way that they are 
feeling about life and about their decisions and their behaviors. And I love that aspect of coaching, to be honest. That's probably my number one thing. Don't get me wrong. I love, love, love like making training plans. I actually love it. I feel like for me, it's almost a meditative experience. <laughs> but I also just love the, the psychology side of it. So anyways, most of you guys know this if you've been an avid podcast listener from the beginning, but I'm typically not... And here we go. I'm, trying to, I'm making a generalization, but I'm typically not a very social person. I'm definitely a lot more introverted. I have a lot of introvert qualities. Again, I don't really have a lot of friends. I don't like... I don't enjoy, I guess you could say, socializing. I don't enjoy groups of people. I love one-on-one and I love, believe it or not, like public speaking. I can public speak all day. That's one of my goals in the future is to do public speaking. But I'm not excited by social things. So this is the truth. Sometimes when I see people in real life or on social media engaging in a social event and um, having looking like they're having fun doing it. Now, I don't know if they're having fun doing it. And to be honest, I don't care if they're having fun doing it. But the perception, my perception is that they look like they're having fun doing it. I get annoyed. That's me being just like completely honest. Now, it's not every time I see it, it like ruins my day. No, 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 no. But I do feel like this bit of annoyance in my body. And I've been trying to explore that and figure out why do I feel that way? Because that's really, in my opinion, like stupid. It's not helpful. There's no point in it. Why do I feel this way? Why does it bother me at all what other people are doing? Why does it affect my life? And I mean, it negligibly affects my life, but it's something that I've noticed. And it all comes down to me being like, well, don't they have anything better to do? Right? But how crazy is that? Seriously, how crazy is that? Because someone could totally flip that script on me and be like, why do you not value relationships with other human beings in real life And instead, you would rather go to the gym and isolate yourself or do any of the things that I do. That was just one example, right? So, so I mean, there's probably a part of me that is sad that I don't have any friends or jealous that other people have friends and I don't have friends, you know? And and I'm not even consciously aware of that because when I say that, I'm like, well, I don't want any friends anyways. But maybe I do. (laughs) And I mean, if you're listening to this and you're my friend, it's not that I don't think of you as friend or value you. I do have several very, very good friends. I'm more so just talking about like casual friendships or groups of friends or just, you know, people that most people who are social and they go out and they do things. <laughs> so my whole point in sharing that is you have to remember that everyone is going to see things based on themselves from their own perspective and their own point of view. And if there's a part of them that is hurting, that can show up, right? And it, it sounds silly, but you'll even you'll hear people, people are so quick to eat, I don't know, pie <laughs> and feel like that's normal, which I guess you could say it, it could, it is, I guess. But then jump on someone else who's eating an artificial sweetener. If you're drinking a Diet Coke, oh my God, well, that causes cancer, right? But we're so slow to question our own actions and our own beliefs. Or we'll go home and we'll eat a bag of chips because that's normal, right? But will that same person will look at a bodybuilder or anyone on a fitness journey and be like, oh my God, you're eating protein with every meal. You're eating over 200 grams of protein a day. That's going to cause kidney problems. 
And, and so when someone puts you down, again, going back to why we do the things we do, we're either moving away from pain or towards pleasure. So there's something in that behavior for that person because every decision that we make is based on an emotional need. Every single freaking decision. Like even when we don't feel like it is, even when we could be like, this is the most logical decision I could possibly make, you're fulfilling some type of emotional desire. Even if it's a selfless thing, even if you're like, oh, I'm making this decision. I don't want to do this decision, but like I'm making it because it's going to make someone else happy. Even if it hurts me, you're still getting that intangible pleasure of making someone else happy. Or on the flip side, by you putting someone else down and causing that person pain, you're elevating yourself, right? Because a lot of the time when we put people down, even when it's not intentional, it's coming from a place of insecurity in our own self. We're judging someone else for eating chicken and vegetables and rice because we didn't have the discipline to stick to our diet when we tried to diet. And bringing it back to the whole point of why are we eating the donut? (laughs) Because I went way off track there. Why do we eat the donut? It's because in that moment, the pain of being ridiculed outweighs the pleasure of staying true to our goals because we have all of those factors working against us. We have the social pressure. We have the fact that we haven't really ever said no to the donuts before. And we have the fact that we are working against our own human nature of breaking away from what is familiar because our brain loves the familiar. And like we talk about at Cut and Conquer, your brain isn't meant to keep you happy. Your brain is meant to keep you safe. And often, again, our behavior is fueled by a sense of safety. And often it's because it's familiar. This might hit home with a lot of people. And it's the concept around why we can work so hard to achieve our goal physique or our goal weight. And then next thing we know it, we have this relapse and we completely gain all the weight back. Why did we do that when we worked so hard to change? And if you've been living your life, disliking your body and feeling like you are overweight and feeling like weight loss is hard, and that's how you've lived and what you've believed for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, doing a program, even a year and transforming that, you're undoing your entire life's worth of programming, right? It doesn't just change in a couple of weeks or a couple day months or even a couple years potentially right it's something that we are constantly going to have to be working on and i mean it it seems more obvious in our society as to like why we should be working on our physical health from an aesthetic and a well-being like actual physical health standpoint of course we want to live longer we want to have good heart health we want to have good metabolic health and cardiovascular health so that we can live a pain-free illness-free life But it is less obvious and less apparent in the society that we live in why it is so important to also be working on our mental, emotional, and even spiritual health in our North American culture. And I mean, I I can't speak for other cultures because I truly don't know enough about them. We are so 
focused on the external. We are so focused on the outcome. We're so focused on our body. We're so focused on what we can see that what we can't see is so brushed over. It's not acknowledged. It's not talked about. It's not even brought up as something to consider. And that just plays into exactly what we're talking about is we're not used to doing it. So doing that is going to feel fucking weird, you guys. You're going to feel resistance to it. If you're someone who has never prioritized your own goals, who has never felt like, like maybe you are someone who has fitness shamed other people because unfortunately you are insecure about yourself and your body and the way that you've gone through fitness before. Maybe you had a bad experience with a trainer or like you just haven't, have always felt like you failed every program that you started, right? And maybe you've projected that onto other people, whether you meant to or not. It's okay to acknowledge that. That is this human. We're all human. We all have faults and mistakes and things and we can improve. That's a great thing. But again, that is what you're going to be used to doing. So when you start to change those beliefs, the fact that, hey, maybe weight loss isn't horrible. Maybe I don't have to give up everything that I love. Like Maybe I can have discipline. Maybe I can do this thing. We're not going to be used to that. So our brain is going to want to sabotage us. Even if we logically know in our higher brain, that is not going to serve us. For example, again, like if you are someone who your whole life, you felt like fitness people, which is a label, obviously, but fitness people are selfish. If you start to get in shape and you believe that being selfish is bad, that's a belief you've held for the last 30 years, you're going to feel like you are being selfish and you're going to sabotage that because you're going to be like, I don't want to be selfish. So to wrap things up, you guys, the biggest takeaway point from this episode is give yourself permission, okay? Give yourself permission to question things. If you feel like you believe something so strongly, allow yourself to question it. Allow yourself and give yourself permission to be uncomfortable. Because at the end of the day, if you say no to donuts and someone else goes, oh, you're an asshole, you won't eat a donut, the worst thing that's going to happen is you are going to be feeling uncomfortable. And again, that feeling is a perceived feeling based on your reality, right? We can work on changing these things in the way that we perceive and see the world through shifting our belief systems. But we have to first allow ourselves to do that. Give yourself permission to change, right? Believe that people can change. If you think you've never lost, you've never been able to lose fat before, well, you can change that. I, for another personal example was I, again, and, and it's funny coming from me, I guess, but I've, I still held this belief that like, I don't lose fat quickly. There's people out there who clearly lose fat very quickly when they're dieting. I believed myself to not be one of those people. I, I really didn't. And when I did my last prep, and it's funny because I, I did two shows before the, the, this, and I lost fat very slowly, right? But I actually lost fat very quickly, arguably too quickly at the end during my competition prep. And now that belief is completely shattered because I no longer am someone who um, loses fat quickly, who loses fat slowly because I now have evidence of the contrary. Same thing, bringing it back to the very beginning, because I like to bring things full circle with sleep. I was telling myself that no matter what I do, I cannot 
sleep. I cannot get my sleep on track. But this year, I did get my sleep on track. And it was because I was prepping. And that show and being healthy and maintaining my health through that show, not just for myself, but for my family and for my clients and for my company was the, of the most pivotal importance to me. And I knew that I couldn't sleep two, three, four, even five hours and push, put my body through what I knew it needed to go through um, in order to be successful and healthy. So at that point, that was truly all that I needed to change that behavior was that um, refraining from make the, making the changes would cause me enough pain that I was forced to change. And with this same notion, again, that is sometimes why certain people in certain in- instances have to almost hit rock bottom before they will change. But then we have the, the alternative, which is changing will bring that person enough pleasure that it's worth the pain that comes along as an alternative. Because at the end of the day, there's still going to be pain. There's still going to be discomfort. And maybe you're thinking right now, oh my God, pain and discomfort, like that sucks. But that's a belief. Can we question that belief? Can you give yourself permission to question that belief and see, hey, maybe pain and maybe discomfort is not a bad thing. Maybe it's a human thing. Maybe it's going to allow me to change my behavior. It's going to allow me to improve because Without the bad, how do you know what is good? And sometimes simply allowing yourself to sit with discomfort and to sit with those uncomfortable feelings is enough to prove to yourself that you are actually safe. Because again, at the end of the day, our brain wants to keep us safe. And it feels like keeping us stuck in our behavior patterns is safe. But if you can break that behavior pattern and prove to yourself that, hey, I'm still safe, you now have data to support that new belief. This is also why, you guys, and I'm I'm definitely due for a relationship podcast because I feel like I've alluded to this in a lot of the recent episodes, but this is the same reason why people continue to be attracted to the same type of partner or continue to involve themselves in these same ty- these cycles of toxic relationships um, with other people, whether that's like a, a romantic relationship or a friendships or whatever, because it's what we are used to. You might consciously know that an abusive relationship is not a good thing to be in, but yet you still find yourself in them and feeling trapped and unable to leave because the pain of breaking that pattern and leaving that individual is scarier than the pleasure of staying in the cycle that you are used to because you don't know any different. And we like things that we don't like uncertainty, essentially. We like predictable things in our mind as humans, in our brain. (laughs) Anyways, you guys, as you can see, my words are starting to leave me. So I'm going to wrap it up there. Hopefully you guys got some value from this one. I absolutely appreciate you guys tuning in. It means the world to me when I know who's listening. So if you guys like the podcast, you've liked the episode, please leave a rating, a review. And if you're feeling extra generous, take a screenshot, share it to your Instagram story. Tag me at Nafina and I'll see you in the next episode. 
Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Beyond the Body. If you're getting value from the podcast, please don't forget to follow, rate, and review. It really goes a long way. And if you're ready to take your mind and body to the next level and you want to work closely with me and my team, head over to my Instagram page at Nyfina and tap the link in my bio to fill in a coaching application to see if Cut and Conquer can help you transform your life.